Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and I'm an avid book lover. I really love listening to authors tell their story. So, in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to a well-known author to find out what's going on in their world. And we'll also update you on books news and events taking place around the country. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to get in touch. You can follow us on Twitter, on Inside Books IRE, or email us on insidebooks at uniquemedia.ie. Later in the programme, we'll be telling you about some great new books to look out for this autumn. But first, Sarah Webb is best known as an award-winning children's book author, but she has also written for grown-ups. In fact, she has written 11 best-selling novels for adults. As well as writing, she's also very busy conducting school visits and curating children's events at festivals. God, Sarah, you're a very busy woman. (laughs) It sounds like that on paper, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) Writing and children, they seem to be at the very heart of everything that you do. Yes, I think um, for me, the really important bit is bringing children and books together and children and creativity together. So a lot of what I do is definitely based around that. Um, and children's books, I suppose, would be at the core of it. Yeah. So which came first then, the children's books or the adult books? Well, the first book I ever wrote was called Kids Can Cook and it came out in the early 90s. And that was followed by another few non-fiction books, actually, for children about cookery and parties. And then my first adult novel came out in the year 2000. So, so um, it was children's first. And with the kids stuff and the cookery, where did the cookery aspect of it come from, <laughs> as opposed to a, a general ch- children's tale? You know, Well, I was working in Waterstones at the time in Dawson Street, a beautiful shop, although sadly no longer there. And I was a children's bookseller. Mm-hmm. And I had just had my first son, who's called Sam. And I was a single mum for eight years. And I was kind of looking at different ways of just earning a little bit extra in the evenings um, to help support Sam. And working in the bookshop, I realised that tourists and actually Irish people would often come in and ask me, are there any Irish recipe books for children? Is there anything that has, you know, potato cakes, um, leprechaun recipes? I, I didn't like to tell them there was no such thing. (laughs) But um, so I kind of, it was a regular question, you know. Um, So I thought, gosh, I I like cooking with children. I think it's it's quite creative and you can have great fun. Um, So I thought, well, I might give that a go myself. So I started researching and I realised there was nothing. There's nothing, there was nothing out there. So I pushed that together myself, sent it off to a small Irish publisher called Children's Press. Um, They took it on, so... Yeah, Great. the rest is history, as they say. And from there then, when did you move into the, the more traditional children's tale and children's story? So the fiction, um, that is a very good question. So the first children's fiction, I suppose, was the Amy Green series. Mm-hmm. So I'd been writing adult novels um, with, first of all, with Paul Begg and then with Pan Macmillan. And I, I'd had good success with them. It was around the time that Marion Keyes, Cathy Kelly, Sheila Flanagan, all these books, there was a big upsurge of interest in Irish women writing. All well-known names at yes. this point. Yes. And so myself, um, there's a, f- a few kind of slightly younger people coming through the ranks. Claire Dowling, who now, now writes for Fair City, um, and a little bit later, Sinead Moriarty. But we were all writing kind of Uh, real stories about real women in Ireland and um, so I did that for several years and then I had an idea for a story about a teenage Irish girl Right. Um, so not dissimilar in that it was about friendship family um, 
you know, drama, I suppose, family and friendship drama. And I wrote that. And And how different is it writing for a particular younger age group? Again, Amy Green, Green, I think, is aimed at at maybe eight plus. Is it 10 plus? Yeah, about 10 plus. Yeah, that's right. So writing for that age group compared to writing for an adult? Well, you see, I've always read really widely Mm. in both children's and adults. And I've... um, maybe slightly strange in that I never stopped reading children's books as I grew up. Really? So even as an adult, I was still reading the best, the mo- award-winning children's books. Well, I was a children's bookseller as well. So this that was part sense. of my job and I was a reviewer and I still am for the Irish Independent. I've been doing that for quite a few years. So to me, it, the children, the adult, it's just the eyes of the character you're seeing the world through. So if you can step into the eyes of a 13-year-old, you just write their life. If you step into the eyes of a 37-year-old, you write their life. And to me, I don't actually find it that hard to switch voice. And it's kind of having that authentic voice. And I don't think it's something you can teach or that you can create I think it's just something you can do. Because I know. would have thought, certainly with kids, if, again, you're aiming at a 12-year-old mm. or you're aiming at a 6-year-old, they do have quite different views of the world. So they do. the language 100%. is different and the story is yeah. different. So, well, the way you, you do that is exactly what I was saying. You, you just step into the main character's shoes. So if your character's eight, you just step into an eight-year-old's shoes and you imagine the world as if you were eight. Now, not everyone can do that, Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, a lot of people can. And it helps, I think, if you either work with children or have children, but you don't have to, you know. And your latest book then is A Sailor Went to CCC. Yes, it's hard not to sing it when (laughs) I say it, isn't it? (laughs) We'll be breaking into song now shortly. (laughs) So this is Favourite Rhymes from an Irish Childhood. So again, where did the idea for that come from? Well, the first book, Sally Go Round the Stars, which came out a couple of years ago, um, I have two quite young children and when I was reading, I love nursery rhymes and songs, I've always shared them with my own children and I realised there was, apart from the two cats from Kilkenny, which is this kind of old limerick, there's very, no Irish content in any of the nursery rhyme collections. Um, But I was sung and told Irish content by my parents. So I started kind of collecting those and then I asked friends and family, well, what rhymes were shared with you when you were little? And um, then I went off and researched in, you know, old kind of songbooks, old um, collections of street rhymes, that kind of thing. Um, And that's how I kind of started putting it together. See, the original idea came from my own experience of not finding Irish content. And there will be loads of rhymes in here that people will recognise from their childhood. I yeah. I mean, the one, the one that everyone keeps saying that they love seeing it written down as the rattling bug because it's just so much fun, you know, a real rattling bug. Um, and the other ones are things like she'll be coming around the mountain. And they're all, again, very difficult to even say without singing. Without, without fun, wanting to sing. You know? And the illustrations in the book are, oh. are fantastic. And you have worked with an illustrator in this sense. It's Steve McCarthy. And yes. how important are illustrations certainly for books that are aimed at younger kids. Oh, they're vital. I mean, I think more and more children are very, very visually literate. Um, They see they are growing up in a really visual world. Text is kind of secondary almost to a lot of the images they see. You know, I think social media has played a huge role in this. Things like Instagram, where the picture tells the story. But they uh, negotiate the world and navigate the world visually as well as 
textually. So I think um, the illustrations are really, really vital. And I think they can be quite sophisticated. Mm. So Steve, I think, has really stretched um, things in this in, in particularly in A Sailor Went to CCC, although he did also in the previous book, the colours are really super saturated and there's lots of little tiny clever references. If you look through the book, you'll see there's a cat, a lovely big fat cat, and he's in a pair of pyjamas and you'll, you can see the pattern on his pyjamas. Steve has dropped into other pages. So there's loads of clever little references for children to spot as well. And how do you go about finding an illustrator, I suppose, for a book? What's the process? Well, that actually, is the publisher. So they have a lovely art director who has a brilliant eye called Emma Byrne and that's part of her role um, is to match make a text with an illustrator. So and I think I'm sure it's one of her favourite roles is finding brilliant new talent and Steve is is quite new to the children's um, book world and Emma discovered him because he sent some work into Emma and this is now his second book with O'Brien but I think he's a huge talent and he really makes the book kind of come alive. And how do the two of you work together then? Do you do you have <laughs> to get together and, and talk about it quite a lot or do you do you work separately? How, how does no, it work? No, because I think um, and it works the same with picture books in that um, he he brings his creativity to the book and I bring my vision to the book and then you actually get two people's creativity going together and kind of merging. So I work on the text with my editor who is does the words and then Steve works on the visuals and the design with Emma who is the kind of, I suppose, the visual editor. She's the design um, genius. So it's very That's how it works. Very, yeah. And then Steve would have sent sketches and I would have a look at sketches and say, yeah, I love this. think this works really well, you know. Um, and for there's one uh, very funny rhyme called Beetle Her Champ. It's about a little old lady. It's a very old Irish rhyme about a little old lady who beetles her champ. So Steve was a bit mystified by this and he said, Sarah, what on earth is a beetle and what's a champ? <laughs> so I explained that a beetle like was a big hammer or kind of um, kitchen implement that they mashed potatoes with mm-hmm. to make champ, which is kind of a version of called cannon. It's a mashed potato dish. Um, so then he was, ah, OK. So then he went off and was able to do the illustration. And again, it is a collaborative process, let's say, when you're writing this sort of a, a children's book with illustrations, quite different to writing an adult novel, let's say, where it's you in a room on your own and your own head. Yes, yes, very much so, I think. Or even actually the children's novels, it's a different process. Um, And that collaborative bit, I suppose, comes in a little bit at the editing stage where you would um, get together with an editor and you would talk over some structural issues, maybe character motivation, that kind of thing. So it would be a little bit more. But yes, you're right, for the vast bulk of the work would be done alone. And that's why I love working on, on books like this Nursery Rhyme Collection, because it's fun. You know, you have other people working with you and it does make it, um, yeah, a lot more entertaining process. And there seems to be a lot of enjoyment from, from your perspective. So what's your least favourite part of, of writing a book? <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it sounds silly but I don't really have a least favourite part Mm. (laughs) sorry like like it all so again you're focused quite a lot on children's books now at the moment so are there any more adult novels that you're planning well I've been working on an adult novel um, which has uh, touch wood now Breda just gone out to publishers (laughs) fingers Um, crossed yes so we'll see what happens Um, yeah 
And is it in a similar vein to what you've done previously or is it no, different? No, it's a little different. It's partly set in 1934 mm. and it's set around an Anglo-Irish family. Oh, yeah, so a little so bit of history in there. Yeah, yeah. It's been fascinating to research. So Good stuff. And... You have also just completed a year as the DLR writer in residence in Dunleary on top of absolutely everything else that you're doing. So how did you find that? Oh, it was great. It was a really lovely opportunity and um, I really enjoyed meeting young readers, meeting young writers and also the families surrounding them, obviously, you know, their carers, their mums, their dads, their grannies and their grandpas. Um, we had lots of things like drop in writing clubs where young writers would come and, and share their work with me. And we'd kind of together go through their work. They'd read their work to me and they'd get feedback. And it's and great had, for them and for you to be able to see that talent that's coming through. Oh, yeah. I mean, children don't, you know, adults have this kind of slight block and they think, oh, I can't write. I, you know, I'm not able. But all children think they can write and draw and skip and run. And it's natural to them. Was it Picasso once said, you know, all children are creative. It's being creative when we grow up. That's the problem or something like that. That's it. Yeah. And and just developing that confidence and hopefully they'll stay with it. You yes. Know? Yeah, yeah. And did you get much of a chance to write yourself then while you were there? I did. Um, I Well, I worked on the edits of A Sailor Went to CCC there and I also wo- worked on another book, which is coming out next year, next autumn, which is called Blazing a Trail. Remarkable Irish women that changed the world. And it is to celebrate uh, the centenary of Votes for Women in Ireland. Oh, great. Which is obviously 2018, which funnily enough, I did um, a Twitter poll yesterday and I realised that it's kind of 50-50. of people know next year is the centenary of Votes for Women in Ireland, but 50% don't. So I think it'll be an interesting challenge maybe from January on. Um, I'm, it's something I'm very passionate about, spreading the word about these amazing women from history, including the suffragettes. And when will yeah. that be on the shelf? Next year, so it'll be next autumn. Yeah. And Sarah, do you work with different publishers then for all of these variety of, of <laughs> books that you write, you know, from the adult novels to yes. the kids and, and now this non-fiction? Um, well, most of my, I suppose, my Irish interest um, children's books would be with O'Brien Press. So I've done early readers with them previously and the nursery book. And um, I'll continue. I've, I've actually just about to sign another book with them. Um, they're wonderful to deal with. Um, I also work with Walker Books in the UK and they're called Candlewick in the US on novels, children's novels. And yes, so I do. And then actually I, I work with HarperCollins on Hodder on some educational books. I did one recently on whales and dolphins uh, and I, I rewrote an Anna Green Gables for um, HarperCollins. So, yeah, I did lots of different publishers. So most writers have one publisher as their master as well, such, most, but you. <laughs> well, most adult writers, I think. I think, to be honest, a lot of children's writers would have lots of different publishers. Yeah, especially the picture book end of things, you know. Right. Yeah. And you also have, in addition, in addition to everything, uh, another initiative that you've started up called Story Crew. That's right. Um, I've been working with uh, schools and libraries and festivals for many years now, doing workshops and um, programming events. And I just thought it would be nice to bring all that work together and under one kind of name or one roof. So Story Crew will basically provide creative working, writing clubs and also workshops. And we're, I'm interested as well in crafting things like uh, knitting, sewing, 
um, making things um, for kids. And also I will provide with a team of, of writers and experts um, workshops and courses for people who'd like to write for children because there's been an explosion of interest there in has. this. And I think some of it is driven by uh, celebrity publishing mm-hmm. and vloggers and sports people writing books. And, um, you know, there's a real interest in it. People like David Williams and um, people see, gosh, he's so successful. Isn't you know? he just? Yes. Um, but it's lovely. And I love the idea that people are really interested in writing for children, because what it really means as well is they're really engaging with children's literature. And not all of them will go to have a book published, but they will all have a, a new awareness and love for children's books. And that's what I love to do in the courses, not only to teach people how to write, but to teach people how to read, you know, and, and how to really enjoy children's literature. And as you said as well, just to be encouraging the creativity in children, yes. but also being in a position to act nearly as a mentor to, to those who yes. would love to write for kids. Well, Sarah Webb, thank you very much for joining us here for that really insightful conversation on Inside Books. And don't forget that A Sailor Went to CCC is in all bookshops now. Follow us on Twitter on Inside Books IRE or email us on insidebooks at uniquemedia.ie. Well, it's getting to that time of year when we start hearing about the books that are going to be big for autumn and, can't believe I'm saying this, for Christmas. Well, someone who has the inside scoop on what will be big over the coming months is Sophie Grenham, who is a freelance journalist best known for her online literary interview series with The Gloss magazine. And the first book, Sophie, that you're recommending is the new book about the television series Cold Feet, which was actually written by Irish author Carmel Harrington. Well, Carmel Carmel has essentially written um yes cold feet the lost years and it sort of fills in the blanks um between 2003 when the show ended and present day um a lot of cold feet fans would have would have wondered what happened to the main characters adam jenny pete um karen and david it, they you know it's it's a wonderful book it feels actually as if um, I'm looking at a script from the show. She's filling you in essentially on what did go on, which is which is fantastic. And she was chosen to write this book from a number of options. Exactly. Um, thing is, Carmel um, Carmel's star is rising. I suppose you you, you could say that. I mean, her book, uh, the things that should have told you, was a top seller last year. Um, her next book, Seventy Two Derry Lane, was a massive seller this year. So it's not it's not a hundred percent a surprise, but it's it's a really big break for her. It is definitely propelled her into the mainstream and the level of detail on this book I think the fans will be very pleased with things like the mannerisms of the characters um things like Adam bursting into songs suddenly he was very mm-hmm. fond of the the song Oh Danny Boy and you really do get a sense of the characters um, charm and the, their essence really So if you're a Cold Feet fan and you loved watching the TV programme this is going to be on the on the hit list It is um, It takes place as I say from from, two, from 2003 until present day It's going to be a beautiful red hardback book lovely gift for Christmas Another one is Olive Collins The Tide Between Us What's this about? Well a lot of Irish people don't, I don't think a lot of Irish people realise um, that 25% of Jamaicans claim Irish ancestry. 
this is no coincidence. Um, News to me. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I, I'd heard because, I mean, a lot of people have made jokes about the Cork accent being similar to the Jamaican. But what happened was uh, Cromwell, Cromwell started bringing over Irish citizens to populate the island of Jamaica and to work in the fields. Um, Olive has written this book from the time of emancipation. So it would have been from 1821 until 1991 from the perspective of, of a boy from Kerry. Oh, interesting. So his name is Art O'Neill. Um, he's brought over to Jamaica um, and he witnesses the island where Irish slaves, well, we can't can fully confirm if they were slaves, Irish people worked a- alongside African slaves so in the same the, place. So if you're interested in, in history. In, in history, this is, a, this is one for you. It's not for the faint hearted, but okay. it's definitely one if you're a history fan. Great. Definitely. And if you like fairies, apparently there's a, there's a book as well available. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, yes. The the, Cotting, the Cottingley Secret. I really hope I have the pronunciation of that right. But it was it's by Hazel Gaynor, who wowed the audiences with The Girl from the Savoy last year. And Hazel um, was brought up in Yorkshire, um, near Cottingley, which is where the legend of fairies, this fairy legend, has been circulating since around 1917. So... Um, Essentially, there are these two cousins, uh, they're called Elsie and Frances Griffiths, these two girls who claimed to see fairies at the bottom of the garden. But one of them, Frances, I believe, she wrote uh, her account. She she wrote, she, well, she tried to write her account of, of the situation. Um, in any case, in researching this book, Hazel got in touch with, um, with Frances's daughter. Oh right. So her, you know her her daughter, and she said that her mother always wanted to write her account of of the of these this fairy experience of the speculation. It was proven to be a hoax. It's sort of li- it's linked together essentially with Ireland. So Hazel is linking her childhood, her her years growing up in Yorkshire with Ireland. It takes place in two thousand and two thousand seventeen and nineteen seventeen. Oh, interesting. So it's it's about people. It, it, they say that there are two types of people, ones who believe in fairies and ones who don't. And those who don't believe in fairies are missing out on something. Well, maybe by reading the book, you might have to change your mind and suddenly believe in, in the whole fairy it's world. It's fantastical and it's beautifully written. Another one then is Attica Locke. So she's a, an American author, is that mm-hmm. right? She is an American author. She's probably best known for um, her screenwriting. She wrote, um, she was one of the writers on the series Empire. And... Um, yeah, she's uh, she's she's quite something. She was an um, an Orange Prize nominee. Um, this book is called Bluebird, Bluebird. Um, it's out at the end of September, and it touches on racial relations in East Texas. So, something that's been very relevant at the moment, especially with Absolutely. the Trump administration. Um, it's set in East Texas, around Highway Fifty Nine, somewhere that she she grew up, that she spent a lot of time. Um, Darren Matthews is an investigator. He's brought back to his hometown to witness or invest, investigate a double murder. So you know, it's it, essentially a, there's a there's a white body and there's a there's a black body, all in quick succession, and it's about the suspicion of the town folk and difficulty in that part of America. And is this a new series from her? This is a new series. This is the first in a new series that. Uh, that uh, is for, is published in September 28th. Great. So, and a- another American then is Andy Weir. So what's he up to? Oh, yes. Um, fans of The Martian will absolutely love this. Um, it's out on the 14th of November, I believe. Um, it takes place on the moon. It's the only habitable um, 
town on the moon. God, from fairies to the moon. We, we were covering everything today. <laughs> we really are rather. We are travelling around today. Uh, the character Jazz, uh, she's a woman that lives in this alternative, an alternative city where it's an, it's an awful place to live, much like Earth, unless you're a rich tourist or an eccentric billionaire. <laughs> So it's this young woman who finds herself in a tough spot living in this town called Artemis on the moon. And she finds herself smuggling in contraband. Hmm. She she turns to shady operations. So at that point, problems start to arise naturally and she witnesses a conspiracy. And then coming a little bit closer to home, we have Alan Shatter, who's a politician. and But this is more about his, his earlier years. Is that right? That's right. I'm actually particularly excited about this one. It's called Life is a Funny Business. A personal story. Um, the cover is interesting. He's not as you used to see, as you're used to seeing him. He's wearing, you know, a denim top, denim jeans, hands and pockets, double denim, double <laughs> denim. Um, who 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 else is known for double denim? Brian Adams, I believe. <laughs> but he um, he has this lovely, trustworthy smile. The most relaxed anyone w- would have been used to seeing him. Essentially, it's a story of love, laughter, tears, and resilience. Is what we're told. Um, he's no stranger to the pen. Um, apparently he wrote um, some fiction in the early 90s. A steamy novel, a I believe. A steamy novel called Laura. That's right. Um, it, 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 it revisits his early life experiences and how, he's, how, how he was shaped by them. You know, a young Jewish Irish boy growing up in 50s and 60s Dublin. And it goes from there to, sev- to the 70s where he was in social and political activism and he was in the process of becoming a lawyer. Uh, the book ends around 1981. Okay. It's when he was um, roughly around Christmas time after he first became a TD. So it's all his early life. It's his experiences. It's a personal story. And one that will be hitting the shelves in the coming weeks. Well, that was a great wrap-up of books to look out for over the coming months, Sophie. Sophie Grenham, thank you. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at InsideBooksIRE. And if you want to get in touch, email us on InsideBooks at UniqueMedia.ie. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production.